Welcome to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mabel, and I appreciate you tuning in today. Well, we did it, an on-the-bike interview. Matt Zimmer, who's a pro roadie riding with the Project Echelon team, he lives in Des Moines and is a super good dude. He's great to have in the local group rides from the Break Your Legs Off Tuesday Night World Championships to the friendlier, but not slow, Saturday morning rides. So a few weeks ago, I asked him if he'd like to join me on a ride to do an interview during the ride, and he enthusiastically agreed. With one caveat, that if it didn't work, we'd have an old school sit-down conversation indoors. So we got together for a ride on a beautiful Monday late afternoon, clipped on some microphones, stuck a recorder in my back pocket, and went out for a ride. So it is a bit weird, it definitely sounds like we're on a ride trying to have a conversation. We do go through some tunnels and you can definitely tell. We had to pause and wait for some cars to pass at some intersections and of course my mic sucked. But you're here to listen to Matt, not me. So settle in and enjoy my recent ride and conversation with Matt Zimmer as we talk about his life as a cyclist and the health of cycling in the US. Matt Zimmer, welcome to Bike Talk with Dave. This is your second time. You're like an old hat at Bike Talk with Dave. Yeah, it's been uh, nine months. Yeah. Eight, seven from, months, seven months. From, was that your Serum. First, yeah. first victory of the year? Yep, first Serum. race of the year. Yep, awesome, and walked away with a huge victory. Oh yeah. Kind of surprised you didn't retire after that, after the... I know, I should have just retired on top, especially with gravel the way it's headed right now. No doubt. Gravel is kind of crazy. I want to talk to you about that, about your choice of riding. Speaking of riding, I want to let everyone know that I don't, I don't want to be like every other podcast on earth and just like talk to people on Zoom. That being said, I do talk to people on Zoom. Oh yeah. But uh, I thought it'd be fun to do bike talk with Dave. Yeah, I like this better than uh, bike talk in, with Dave, but we're, on the bike. It's bike ride with Dave? Bike ride with Dave is good. Yeah, so we're doing bike ride with Dave. This is version number one. And uh, riding on the Great Western Trail heading south. I got a fun little game for later, <laughs> but we're out riding bikes. It's a beautiful Monday, late afternoon. I don't know, what is it's, it, it's fall. Degrees? It's just fall, that's it, it's just it's, fall. It's perfect. It's perfect. It is perfect. So, I'm curious, where the hell did you come from, man? <laughs> you just show up in Des Moines. I know you went to school in uh, uh, Lees McRae, right? Yeah, yep, in North Carolina, yeah. Uh, if you go to college to ride your bike, how do you end up there? That's the part of the story I don't know. Yeah, it's a... Uh... I, first off, I didn't know collegiate cycling was even a thing. I was between going to Iowa State for engineering, which that sounds terrible looking back on it. I don't know what I was thinking. Or I was going to go to Mount Mercy and run cross country and figure out schooling from there. And uh, lo and behold, I get a random letter in the mail from Lise McRae, uh, the head coach there. and. They're trying to get me to come race bikes for them. 
And first off, I'm thinking, how the hell do they even get my info? Because at that time, I had done one race, and I think I got disqualified. So I did basically zero races. But it was the Iowa State Championship, and it was me versus one guy and a girl. And I had won, so I think they were just cold calling, That's like going down USA Cycling and cold calling people. And Dude, that is super cold calling. Yeah, very random. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I didn't, I, I didn't know anything about North Carolina. I couldn't even tell you where it was at, let alone going and visiting and seeing like, oh, it's in the mountains. Like, there's like actual mountains here. It's like, it's not a ugly area. No, it's unbelievable. I would, I, I could live there, no questions asked. Yeah. So that sent me, uh, that sent me there. Dude. I totally know. random. That is super random. I did, what? I did my college visit. And before I even did the, the visit with the coach and the like administration, I went on a bike ride with my dad. And midway through, I was like, yep, I'm going to go here. Like, this is insane. The riding is so good. You went on a bike ride with your dad? In North Carolina. In North Carolina. Yep, and it was like, okay, I'm sold. We can go home. I'll sign whatever I need to sign. That's awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. What race did you do well enough for him to notice? It was the, uh, would have been, geez, what year would that have been? 2010, maybe 2011, and it was the Iowa State Crit Championships when they had it. I think it was in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Yep. And so I went, my, uh, one of the group rides I was going on at the time, because I was uh, racing triathlons, ah, the owner go. of the shop that a lot of the group rides started out of back in Davenport was like, hey, there's the race this weekend. You should go do it. I'm like, okay, I, sure. So I, he, I sat down in his office. He literally drew out a picture of a corner <laughs> and showed me how to take it on paper. No so I'm way. like, okay, we can figure this out, I guess. Now that must have been the, uh, I think they called it five seasons criterium or something. Yeah, I don't even know. It was, I was just Those lost. Those were pretty wide roads. I mean, oh, it's huge. Right? Yeah, yeah. You could, you didn't need an auto corner. Like four lane to four lane. Yep. Yeah. Um, so triathlon, triathlon is the missing piece of that story. You did some tries. Yeah, I did. My family on my dad's side was kind of pretty active with the triathlon scene. So there'd be times where we'd go to like a local triathlon and there'd be like 17 of my family members doing it. Oh, geez. And we're not Mormon or anything, so it's not a huge family, but <laughs> there'd well, be like multiple. Yeah. Every one of you did triathlons. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So it was a lot of my cousins and. I just took that stop ahead sign, by the way. <laughs> Damn it. Is that the fun game we're supposed to play? No, no, I got a better one than that. All right, 0 and 1. Um, so yeah, we'd go to the, that, that got me into the kind of like the racing scene and got me on a bike. And then uh, running's not that fun, even though I was gonna do it. Started uh, doing you... bike racing, I'm like, okay, this, is, this kicks ass. Yeah. I can do this. Did you run in high school? Yeah, I ran cross country and track most of um, middle school and high school. Mile and two mile? Yeah, yep. Yeah. boy. So. What's your best mile? Uh, my first mile was the first meet of the year. Uh, the first year I did track in high school, and I ran like a 441. Oh, shit. 441. Seriously? It's good if you're a cyclist, but not if you're a runner. Well, I mean, yeah, at my high school, that would have you would have been a solid 
You know, I think we were like 2A in those days. Yeah, we were 3A. I bet uh, that would have taken you to state. Yeah, like I went. I don't, I don't remember going to state for anything. Maybe a relay. Yeah. But I was not the greatest runner. No. Um, well, you had so. Some lungs then. Yeah, I at least knew how to like suffer for six to 18 minutes. Yeah. A little different than biking, but. So how was it once you were thrown into the, uh, I'll just say the, the peloton. The collegiate scene? In the collegiate scene, yeah. How, like, what was that like? Well, day one, everyone that's a freshman is just gonna ask you, hey, what category are you? What category are you on the road? <laughs> what category like, are you? Uh, what, what do you mean? I was like, uh, four, I think I, I, I must have been a five going in. I don't remember that summer how many more races I did before going, but yeah, I didn't know anything. That's crazy. And you're there with, at the time, it was like, Kerry Warner was a grade above me. Um, Brent Bookwalter had just graduated and was racing at, at BMC. So you knew you were at like a legit program. For sure. And you're just hoping to just get better. <laughs> yeah. Um, did they throw you, I noticed a lot of collegiate programs, you do everything from track to yeah, cross yep. to mountain bike to road. Did you do everything? Yeah, the first year I raced uh, full mountain bike season. I raced, I raced full cross pretty much all four years of undergrad. And then uh, got, I kind of had, uh, cross had to take a back seat with how long the road seasons were getting when you're starting in February racing till October. So I kind of slipped out across and then the mountain bike scene, I kind of just focused on roads. So that took a backseat as well. But yeah, I dabbled into everything but track. Because huh. we didn't really have a track program at the time. Um, I mean, obviously you landed on the road. Yeah. What was your, what was your ultimate favorite? Uh, cross was super fun just because of the scene. Yeah and you didn't have to take it as seriously for the most part. But the road trips were so fun in college. Like you're, you're so ready to get out of winter. And when the first couple of race weekends are in Florida in February, oh, nice. it's hard not to like road. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And you're not thrashing your bike uh, every single weekend. That's absolutely fair as well. Uh, cross and mountain bike can be yeah. way more expensive than the entry. Oh yeah, I mean, gravel's getting that way. Yeah, depending on the day, for yep. sure. For sure. Um, when did you kind of know you were good? I mean, we're assuming you're kind of good, right? I know you're humble. I actually want to talk about that. I think it depends on uh, who you're comparing me to. Well, like, like... The, the big scheme, the big picture? Oh, like... I mean, you're still at it. Compared to my teammate Ricky, yeah, I'm way better than him. Okay, when did that happen? Uh, like freshman year, I imagine you were just surviving. Yeah, yeah, and I learning, was like, learning, learning, like hoping to make the A squad and just get to the race. Yeah. That was like objective number one. How long did that take? Uh, I don't think I raced A's at all my freshman year. I think I was, because in collegiate, it's like A, B, C, D category. Yeah. And our road team was, they were pretty good. So I was a B and then I think my sophomore year jumped to A's the whole time. Right your left here, thanks. So I, cycling was weird. I showed up 
and I'm in a class of like 26 freshmen on just the cycling team at, the, at a school of 700. Oh, wow. So you can imagine the cycling team is pretty big. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so by the end, I was probably one of five still racing. Oh, well, out of that 26? Yeah, because a lot of it was, you know, juniors coming in that <clears throat> their dads drove them to the brink of exhaustion to oh. be a cyclist. And I had just started and had no idea what I was doing, so everything's new and fresh and exciting. So burnout wasn't even like a word I'd ever heard of. Yeah. But everyone kept telling me I was gonna burn out. But that didn't happen. Well, uh, I'm telling you what, man, and this is a different subject. I've seen so many kids, and for context, I've been racing since 1985. I did my first yeah. collegiate citizens race or whatever. <laughs> And uh, there was a kid I raced, Andy Smitkowski. Yeah. And, uh, and I was probably 20, he was probably 20, or 17 or 16 or something. And he got super good. Yeah. Uh, Cat one, you know, <clears throat> raced regionally for three years. Yep. And then he was gone. And so many people. Come and go. Uh, Andy Cornelison, uh, Nick Fry even, I mean, he got- Yeah, when I started, when I, when I was finally in like some of the elite races, Nick Fry was uh, a name that I was familiar with then. I mean, he raced, but he didn't stick around a super long time. Yeah. Just got burnt out on it. But so many juniors who are really, really good have really, really short cycling lifespans. Yep. So maybe, maybe the lesson here is my path of mediocrity. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I think you're doing better than most. You're out here. I am out here. So what would you ad uh, advise uh, Brody Burnham? Freshman at, uh, is he, where is he? He's uh, at Lindenwood. So down Lindenwood, in, right. just outside of St. Louis. Yep. Uh, what would you advise Brody Burnham? Have fun. But from what I can tell, I think he's having a lot of fun so far at his first couple months there at school. But yeah, not taking it. I think too many kids come in to college and just the sport in general, and they get really good really quickly. Cause you're, you know, half the time you're coming from a small town where maybe in your whole state there's, you know, 15 to 25 guys that are good. So once you're in that, you feel pretty confident and it usually doesn't take too long to get there, especially when you're young and developing. And too many people just take it, their, their goal is just to be a pro. And it's like, that's not really a goal. Like, what does that mean? You still gotta like learn to suffer and like to suffer and be on your bike in the dead of winter trying to put in five hour days when you definitely don't wanna ride when it's sleeting and snowing out. Right. So I think making goals that are small and attainable, but also having fun too. You can't take it too seriously. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, you're not gonna, you're just not gonna last in the sport. But I think Brody's having fun. Yeah, I, it, it looks like it. Yeah, he texted me the other day. He's like, hey, I really wanna get back to training and riding, but I really don't wanna do intervals right now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I understand. It's yeah. fall. We can uh, take it slow and have fun with it. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. All right. So how old are you right now? 29. 29. What? Uh, a veteran in cycling at that age. I mean, 
you kind of are. I shoot as as young as guys are like. I got a teammate who's 19, and you'd be convinced he's from another planet. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. You know, uh, I think this is an editorial by Dave. A lot of that has. I used to say it was. Well, okay, I'm gonna back up even further. 1985. I would. I didn't know how to. Ride. I knew I liked riding bikes. Yeah. And so there was a group in Cedar Falls where I went to school, and I'd show up for the group ride, and you know they would pretty quickly break my legs right off. Oh yeah, sounds about right. And uh, you know I'd come over a hill and there they'd be waiting for me and then they'd break my legs again. Yeah. Yep. Eventually I hung on longer and longer. And I like learned as I got stronger. You know, I learned how the group worked. The dynamics. Yeah, yep. That's what's fun about cycling. It's like chess, you're not, you're not just blunt forcing people to death like you are in running, where it's like, okay, the strongest guy's probably gonna win. Yep. Cycling, there's so much tactics and the psychological aspect. And every time you think you're done, you can probably go a little harder and a little harder. And just the physiology of being in the group, getting able, being able to coast, the efficiency of a group. It's just, it's something you just don't get in running yeah, in a lot is, of other sports. That is very true. I've heard it said it's, cycling is 90% fitness, 90% the game of chess, and 90% NASCAR. <laughs> and I feel that's pretty accurate. It's a lot of percentages, but yeah. It is. It leaves room for like 10% of like, I don't know, diet and. Yeah. Yeah, no, a lot of it's experience. I had a guy text me the other day who's down in Tucson that I used to coach uh, probably five years ago. And he goes, what, I need to get faster quick. Like, what do I need to do to make it on the shootout? Like the, the big famous group ride, fast paced group ride race down there. And I said, just watch what the fast guys are doing. Pay attention to where they're riding in the group. Pay attention to what they're doing when it's really hard and just try to mimic their style of riding because you're not just going to go gain 200 watts in a month and stick the ride. You need to learn how to do the ride, how to ride in the group, how to be efficient. It's not just power. And that's what frustrates a lot of people. When they get fast, they wonder why guys that are 30 pounds overweight can still beat them on a group ride. Right. <laughs> and it's knowing how to ride. Yeah, that is so true. Um, well, I, <laughs> so much, I'm leaving out like the uh, filling in the middle. Yeah. If I ask what I was just going to ask, which is like you're 29, what's your, like, where are you headed from here? Wait, let me answer that for you. You look at a guy like me and like, I still want to ride the group rides at 57 and a half. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, besides that, what's your end game? What, where do you want to, where do you envision taking this, this uh, two-wheeled sport thing? Uh, probably just as far as I can take it at this point. Yeah, what do Our, you think that is? I'm, I, I want think, to talk about Europe and I think that's freaking cool. Yeah, I think the, the hard part at this level, I would say most guys on our team and most guys in general that are, you know, racing a lot of the elite circuits in the country and I guess out of the country is 
uh, when you stop getting better, it's really hard to stay motivated. But the good thing is with our team, Project Eshon, it's growing so fast. We keep bringing on more and more successful and accomplished riders, and it makes it super motivating for me to want to give my best to help them and the team get results. So kind of changing my shift from, okay, I want to show up and win to like, okay, I need to show up and be as fast as I can be to help the team achieve X, Y, and Z goals, which is usually win the race. And last year was a big turning point for the team where we went from, you know, getting pretty good results to full-blown winning almost every stage race we did. And once you learn how to, you know, control the field, let a break go, pull it back, set up your sprinter, your climber, all of a sudden the goals are so different because now it's like what you see on TV. There's real roles that need to be played out. So I train to do my role, which is like a super domestique support role. So that's what keeps me motivated right now is like you, the last thing you want to do is let your teammate down. And I know how it feels when you're out there to help them and they really need it. It's like the worst feeling in the world. You'd rather be them getting dropped than you not being a, being there to help them. Oh, yeah. Wow. If that makes sense, because I know a lot of people just, well, I think I can win. It's like, well, what, what does the rest of your team think? Like, is that the goal? Like, what, what you, you got to play with the team and be a, a team player. And at the end of the day, that's how you get success as a unit. So that's kind of my goal. So I think I've got, I don't know, two more years tops, depending on how things kind of progress. And I mean, it's just a lot of travel. My wife would love if I was done, I think. <laughs> well, there's news there too. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, this will be the trial run season. So Megan is due March 4th. We're having a baby boy. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So we're you super blew, excited. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so she's, we're super excited on that front. But then that brings a whole nother set of challenges where it's like, oh crap, I can't go to some of these races the team's planning. Like over her due date, the team's supposed to go to a tour of Rwanda. So I'm probably not going to be in Rwanda when she goes into labor. That would, I don't think that'd go over well. Listen, I'll tell you as a husband and a father, <laughs> do not go. Yeah, no, I, uh, I already had to ex-nay the, the bosses on that one. Yeah, that's an easy one. Yep, exactly. So that's going to make it difficult with travel and just trying to balance home life and not being on the road for three to four weeks at a time. Yeah. Because I've noticed as I get older, I say that like I'm... 70 but as i get older it's harder and harder to be away from home so that's always what i find kind of the limiting factor on with a lot of the guys on our team right now too we're all kind of in that transitional phase and the team's identified it so we you know had tried to bring on some uh really young talent that shows a lot of potential so yeah tell me take some time and tell me about the team your project echelon that's an actual nonprofit, right? Yep, it's a nonprofit uh, veterans organization. So we help veterans through uh, physical activity, with through support. So the big thing we do, we have a veteran cohort where the team works with, I think, over 200 veterans now. Oh wow! We have biweekly calls where we talk about training topics and 
we kind of act as, a lot of the, all the riders on the team act as like coaches and mentors to help with, you know, PTSD, just getting them outside. Cause you know, a lot of these guys come back from the military and just get dropped off and don't know what to do. You went from, you know, bonding as a unit like you would with a cycling team. And all of a sudden that aspect of your life is gone. And that part was so critical. So we help kind of mentor them back uh, in like rehabilitation almost into civilization depending on kind of where they're coming from and what they're looking for. And it's been uh, super successful. I know, I don't know the exact percentage of um, what <laughs> like physical activity provides with depression and PTSD, but our team does a study. We usually send out like a blind survey to all the veterans at the beginning of the season. Then we work with them for the year and send a follow-up. And the numbers are pretty astonishing with kind of growth you see um, on and off the bike. So it's super rewarding that way. And it also gives these guys access. You know, we give away a lot of our race bikes at the end of the year. Any sponsor we bring on, half the money goes to the veteran organization, half goes to the racing team side of it. So it's just bringing awareness for veterans. It's kind of the mission. That's very cool. Now you're going big next year, right? Continental? That's what the word on the street is. Is that public or can I say that? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Did I just Maybe. Somebody, I heard somebody say it somewhere. So we'll start the rumor here. You heard it here first. Okay. Rumor here is first. Anyway. Yeah. So you do have, from what I understand, some ambitious travel plans. Yeah, the, the tentative schedule, other than stuff like Rwanda is tour of Guatemala, uh, Vuelta Colombia as well. Wow. Which will be pretty mega because a lot of those are like 10 day stage races, which I've never raced my bike for 10 days straight. So that'll be a big uh, learning and growth opportunity for the team. And then we'll do our normal European campaign, but with just uh, some new races in there. Yeah, what do you like to hit in Europe and why? Uh, you learn, it, it, it's like everything's sped up. You learn what you learn in a whole season in the US, you learn it in one race there. Oh, wow. It's faster, it's more aggressive. The fields are humongous. Uh, hang on, I lost you, but uh, we'll catch back up. We're, we're trying to be good trail. Yeah. Uh, so how do you choose where you go? A lot of it's kind of just dictating, finding some big races that are near each other so you don't have to travel across six countries to go to two separate races. Yeah. So last year and this year we went to northern France and did a couple stage races there. Some one day like kind of semi-classics I call them just because they have a cobble sector in it which you definitely don't get that racing here. And then we did some racing in Belgium too to kind of fill some of those empty uh, travel days up with some races. So we are on a bike path here, wide enough for one car. <laughs> you see a lot of that in Europe? Yeah, except it'd be a road, be not a, road. a bike path. Yeah, it's funny. People in Des Moines, I've had one of the guys we bike with is like, yeah, you know, my wife and I were thinking of going to Belgium. I'm like, don't go to Belgium. That's like saying you're going to travel to the U.S. and you're going to go visit some small town in Iowa. You just like, 
it's so similar to the Midwest. Really? Which I love the Midwest, but I don't know anyone that's going to travel to Nebraska if they're coming from Europe. Right. And that's kind of how it is. It's just cornfields, rolling hills, depending on where you're at. Where we were was just dead flat, narrow roads. Everything's like a thousand years old, literally. Yeah. More than that, actually. Right. That's crazy. Yeah, it? the cobble sector we raced on, I'm pretty sure, is like 1,600 years old. Holy crap. Yeah, so there's not a lot of bricks left. <laughs> right. What's the hardest race you ever did? Uh, Tour of Utah. Really? Yeah, it was one category below a world tour race. So a lot of the big dogs showed up. And I was off the back all but one day where I made the break. So that was that's pretty gruesome when you go to that level. And you're trying to make the break. And if you don't make the break, it's survival mode. Just get to the line with the least amount of energy spent as possible while still making time cut. And it was at altitude. So that combination, the riders, the altitude, it's Utah, so it's dry and hot. That was a pretty brutal week for me, but also good. So that'd be the hardest race I've ever done. What's the, uh, your, I'm gonna say favorite, when you had the most fun, like what's your best memory Oh, at a race? There's been a lot of them. Uh, it's hard to pick a race where you don't win, either <laughs> as yourself fair. or a team. That's fair. Because those usually have the best stories after the race. So. I don't know, man. Sometimes the, <laughs> one, the ones you come in dead, dead last yeah. have the best stories. Yeah, I, uh, I cracked so hard this year at a race that I rode the last like 40 minutes off the back by myself. Traffic's picked up because you're out of the rolling enclosure. That was not very fun. <laughs> that one, I was just glad I was alive still. Yeah. Wow. At the end. That's a hard sport. <laughs> so 2010 to now is a dozen years. You've, you've seen a lot on the road. What, what grade would you give USA road cycling right now? A, B, C, D, or F? It's hard to say because there's, at the top level, the US has some of the best guys in the world. When you look at Sepp, McNulty, Nielsen Paulus, like the US has a ton of talent at that level. So it's hard to give them a bad score when stuff like that's going on and then kind of the re reinventing of gravel racing, you could say was born here, I would say. Right, does that sound right? right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you could actually say here specifically. Yeah, so I think, I think as a whole, especially with COVID, racing and stuff's kind of picked up a lot, at least biking, which is gonna bring awareness to racing. So I'd give us, Passing by. I would give the US probably a C, like a passing grade. C's get degrees. They do. There's nothing uh, super stellar. It's still really expensive. It's hard to get to because the country's humongous. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll go with the C. <laughs> All right, so two questions relative to that. One is, how do you feel about uh, what Justin Williams is doing or his vision of road cycling in the U.S. and what, what he's doing there with, with Legion and kind of having regionalized Legion teams? Yeah, I think this year will be a good trial run for that because I know I've been hearing bits and pieces of rumors, which I don't know what's, what's real at this point, of kind of other leagues starting up. And I know Legion's kind of trying to start a league with, you know, teams like Miami Blazers. And I think there will be a new team down in Texas somewhere that they're helping start up. That'll kind of be a part of Legion, but yeah, separate. Like, uh, Dallas centered, I feel like. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I've just been hearing rumors of it. Yeah. And I, I know he's brought a ton of awareness to the sport, which is, which is good. Do you, do you think his model is good for the U.S.? I don't know. I guess time will tell. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard because if you look at where we were, even just six years ago, there was twice as much racing and way more teams at that level versus right now there's just two or three teams now, which... You know, it's just different than how it used to be with road calendars and crit calendars and every field having 200 people, even though you had to travel 25 hours to get to that race. So I think the, the high-end stuff is all still there, but then a lot of the, the support dwindles off quickly. And one team can't just, they have to rise, raise the tide, not just their own sale which they're trying to do by starting those other teams. So the more that can grow, obviously it's indirect, it's just gonna grow the sport as well. Yeah. So uh, flip side is uh, gravel. We talked a little bit about gravel. I feel like the biggest thing happening in the US now is the uh, Lifetime Grand Prix. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Uh. This feels like a trick question. <laughs> uh, because I know a lot of really fast guys who didn't get into the series, even though they should be. So I don't know how they chose who got into that, which I don't think it's fair that you're having a league with all the money that only 40 people are in the running for, regardless of what if there's some nobody who's new that's super strong that can go get results. I've heard that argument And he before. can't he can't be a part of it because he doesn't have a social media following. That doesn't make any sense. You're there to race your bike. I, uh, yes. But they have a lot of money and money can keep this going for a long time. And I know they're trying to add more races. So I don't really know. I'm not in that loop a lot, but I just know guys that aren't in it that should be in it that I'm not sure how they didn't get put into it. And the scene is changing so fast. Now that, now that it's popular, a lot of the guys that used to win a lot three years ago are now not winning. And it's, you can see the tension happening. Like Keegan's so freaking dominant. So you have guys like that that are just totally spanking everybody around. Right. So it'll be curious to see how it develops and if it brings more talent from other disciplines in cycling to some of these, these events. 
but I do like the idea of the like cross discipline that they did trauma again. There's gravel, there's just straight up mountain bike races, all part of one series, which is really cool because then you know a well-rounded rider is gonna really do well. I listened to a uh, podcast with uh, Lachlan Morton today. Yeah. And he said uh, it fits the U.S. Like the, the reason road cycling really hasn't exploded in the U.S. is because it wasn't made to fit. Like it was made to fit Europe. It's been around over 100 years, that yeah. model. And that model just doesn't fit here. The expense to close the roads, um, the distance between, you know, California and New York are a long ways apart. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't know, a bunch of other factors make that model really hard in the U.S. Yeah. And the, uh, the lifetime, like is a model made for the U.S. Mountain biking started here, gravel started here. They, they uh, kind of put this series inside of mass start events. Yeah. And uh, like he's like, that, that could work. That could That's a good analogy. But you think Criterium Racing would fit it. And I think a lot of the reason that hasn't really caught on at kind of the extent it is here is it's hard to develop guys to go to the world tour when you're racing for 60 minutes on a four corner flat course, like that's not gonna get you there. Correct. And then you go to Europe and you're like, okay, the shortest kermesse I can do is like two hours and 45 minutes of racing, but I can do it every day of the week and it cost me $5 to go sign up and do it. Oh, dude. So I think having more, just I guess harder circuits, and I know a lot of, a lot of races are kind of adopting that model like the Maryland race that this was the first year they held that at, um, you know, a super high level. That was circuit. So you kind of involve the city more and which makes it more of a, you know, like an actual fun event rather than like, Hey, the bikes just went by and that's it. Right. Maybe you get, maybe you grab a bottle, <laughs> but not a lot of excitement when you see 20 seconds of a 200 K race. Yeah, correct. Uh I will say hashtag made for TV. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, even the crits, when it's super flat and fast, there's not a ton of action. Correct. Just because no one can get away. You're, you're riding at terminal velocity. You can only ride the course so fast, and to stay off the front of that, you're not going to be able to go any faster. Right. So hey, rarely. Let's turn here because yep. i got a uh, project for us uh -oh. back on the road. Um, it's less windy. Oh yeah. Direction. I can hear you. This is nice. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this thing works. We're, we're going to have to sit down and do this if it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. That, right? Um, good thing we're finishing at, uh, Jethro's. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, the difference between doing a two hour and 40 minute Kermes five days a week. Yeah. And, uh, 45 minute crit twice a week. Yeah, and it costs nothing to do it. I mean, our national championship, to go do road pro road nats, each event is $165. Not five? <laughs> yeah, not five, 
And if you win, you literally get no money back. Zero dollars. I think you even have to pay for the national championship jersey now. So, yeah, it's, it's just such an expensive sport. Yeah. Hello, hello. Oh, I'm still on, all right. Um, uh, all right, well, we solved everything. Uh, we solved all of U.S. cycling problems in this we ride. We solved all of U.S. cycling problems. This is problems. perfect. This so is productive. You guys, I, I, I just saw uh, Lux. Yeah. I sit there disbanding. Yeah, that's super Which sad. Me. Yeah, yep. I mean, that was a develop. That's that's like the future. One of the longest running, most successful development programs in the country to ever exist. Um. So how do you guys grow to Continental while other teams are shrinking and disbanding? Yeah, our team's really good about not overexerting ourselves. So every year we are well within our budget for races, travel, you know, not buying the flashiest gear. So I think that helps a lot. And then not relying on one big title sponsor. That's the big kicker. So if you look at Ineos, you can't name a single other sponsor that they have other than Ineos. But us, right. we have so many sponsors kind of sitting at the same cash level that if one leaves, it's not the end of the world and the team can, team can survive and make it another year. And that's, that was a big consideration for going continental it's like okay first off what value does it bring the team and second off this has to be sustainable we can't we can't go be continental for one year and then blow the entire budget to do so just to say we did it and then vanish that's not going to help grow anything correct so yeah just being within our means um and just the veteran side helps so much because it gives so much back that it's not just, hey, help all these kids chase their dreams with no actual ROI to show of it. So that, that component, I think, really helps us elevate ourselves above others. Um, can I ask, like, what is, and you don't have to tell me if you don't want, but like, what is your annual budget? What's it take to run a team like this? Because I think most, if not all, you guys have jobs, right? Ooh. Like you're not making a million bucks a year. No. Salary. I don't think so. That might, that might happen, but it hasn't happened yet. I actually don't know what it is right now, but the licensing alone, it's like 30 grand. Oh, geez. But once again, that's only in the US. In Europe, under their federation, it's like five grand for a Belgian team to be continental. But in the US, it's bank deposits. The USA Cycling takes a huge fee. So it's a big stretch for a lot of teams to go from, you know, a, a, a decent domestic elite team can run. I think the first, the first year Project Echelon existed, they had like 40 grand. Oh, wow. <laughs> or 60 grand or something like that. So you can put together you don't have to move mountains year one 
with the program, but just slowly chipping away and finding a model that works and is sustainable is the key. So I don't know. Not a million dollars, no. Yeah, well, that's cool. You know, I had a uh, interesting discussion with Katie Compton, and it's Cross, which is very different. Yeah. But Cross is hard. You're like an independent contractor. You got to like go find all your. Yeah, every year. Find all your Uh, she told me that, like, if you put together 30 grand, you could, you could do a, uh, full wax season. Oh, I believe it. Just with one rider. Yep. And I was like, 30 grand? Like, how do you eat? Yeah. She's like, prize money. You gotta win. Yep. I'm like, oh, right. Pretty good motivation to do well. It is. But man, that's a hard road. Yeah, no, my, when I was chasing the dream a couple years back, when you're still on the fringes of the sport, we'd go down to Tucson every year, me and a bunch of buddies, teammates and stuff back then. And we would live, I don't even know how we, looking back, like, but I think that's what makes it fun is how ridiculous it was. Yeah. Like, okay, I've slept on an air mattress three months in a row. Just to be somewhere where I can ride outside. We're renting a two-bedroom apartment. There's six of us. You're buying like bulk rice and beans. And that's that's what you did. We we'd had like we had like 15 pound bags of like pancake mix and stuff. But it was so cheap. You're like, okay, I can be down here and get by what I thought was well on 50 bucks a week. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm picturing college. Yep, it's exactly that. A week was a lot. Yeah. But that's, you know, you're, I'm counting rent. Oh, got it. Everything. Yeah, you, wow. usually you have a gym membership, so you try to haggle with the manager, like, hey, I'm bringing six guys. We're gonna be here three months. Can you waive the, the startup fee? And we're not gonna be banging weights around. We're all dinky. <laughs> So yeah, but you look back and that's some of the most fun where you're like, our only furniture were air mattresses. And I think we had some folding chairs and a card table we found on the side of the road in the kitchen and that was it. That's, that's awesome is what it is. Yeah, it was so fun. I mean, that's kind of the definition of being a ski bum. Yep. But on two wheels. Yeah. And I always remember telling myself like even then, it's so easy to look back where I, I remember sitting there goofing off and you know, you're like, just finished a five hour day and you're totally shelled. And you're like, man, one day I'm not gonna get to wake up and just have to ride my bike. So you try to like appreciate it in the moment while still, you know, giving it everything you have to make it worthwhile and justify being there. So yeah, different times. Different times, but good times. Oh yeah, yeah some of the best. Yeah, someday wake up. <laughs> I used to call them the five evils of bike racing. Huh? A car, a girlfriend, a job, rent. Standing, is standing on the list? Standing, should be on the list. Standing or sure. walking? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a kid or a dog. I mean, these are college days. Oh yeah. But. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's things that 
take you away either physically or I mean kind of by guilt even yeah from a five-hour ride yep one being here in Des Moines you're not gonna get five hours in you're gonna go ride three with your buddies stop at the bar and you say you're stopping for one and then all of a sudden you wish you would have brought a headlight even though the ride started at 7 a.m. Okay, that's the sixth evil of bike racing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's called Jason Simpson. Yeah, the one evil of bike racing. Hey, yeah. he was the first one that I met out of the entire Des Moines scene when I came on the group ride when I first moved to town. Speaking of how I got here, he told me all about the one big hill coming up and you're gonna wanna be at the front. It's the one we go up with, remember? I do remember, thank you. Yeah. We gotta talk about that hill. <laughs> It's the, the Dave Mabel Hill. Yeah, that's what it is. I'll tell that story. Hopefully my mic is working. But Tuesday night world championships. And dude, it's, it's a race. It's a whole nother league. It's a race. It's always been a race. But like it used to be a bunch of threes and fours. And yeah. Threes and fours are hanging on. Their eyeballs are bleeding these <laughs> days. But, uh, <laughs> you're like hey man good to see you out here and my eyeballs weren't bleeding yet we're just double pace line out of town but uh howdy i'm like goal number one get up the damn hill that hill's hard it's right off the bat too it is right off the bat and you're like get on my wheel and <laughs> I get on your wheel and we just go to the front. And I know, like you go to the front so you can fade. The fat man sag. Yeah, for sure. I know that, but nobody went around you. Like everybody respected Zimmer's page. <laughs> and I just smiled back there and we popped up over the hill. They've awesome. caught on now though, it doesn't work. It does not work. No, they caught on. But I've made it every week since. Yeah. Yeah, but that was the hill when I first did the group ride. I remember getting home and I told Megan, she's like, how was it? I'm like, it was really funny at the start. There's this guy, I don't know, I don't know what, I, I don't know. He just kept, he was so worried I was gonna get dropped up the first hill. So and he funny. told me about it and was warning me like how it's gonna go and what to expect. And we get to the, we get done at the ride. He comes up to me, he goes, you're an asshole. <laughs> Did you break everyone's legs? I don't I don't even remember how the ride went. I only remember talking to Jason for 10 minutes about that hill. That's super funny. One of the things I love about you is, and I've told you this before, it's so common for you know all the guys to go out on the group ride, Just throttle take everybody out and start swinging them around. Yeah. Who's got the biggest dick? <laughs> and you're just sitting on the back chatting. And you're like, yeah, I just got back from Belgium or I'm going to race in France. Like, you don't need to, like, the, the words are spoken on the cobbles of Northern France. Yeah, the one time I go over them. Yeah, <laughs> not, not on the, uh, we're gonna go left here, not on the uh, Saturday morning old guy ride. Yeah, no, I love going to REI ride. That's not the old guy ride. That's the ride where every single demographic of cyclist in Des Moines comes together for one ride. It, it is.
It's awesome. It used to be the old guy ride, which is how spicy. I got invited. Yeah, it gets spicy every once in a while. It does get spicy every once in a while. Speaking of spicy, what do we have going on here? So, I saw the uh, GCN uh, YouTube episode <laughs> where it's how fast is a pro? And uh, I was like, oh, now that'd be kind of fun. Like, I have Matt here. Let's just compare me to Matt. Now, we're not going to do a three-person team time trial. And I'm... That's the gen series. <laughs> uh, yes. Let's see, you're 29. I'm turning 58 in a month. Oh, this sidewalk ends. Uh, we can do some bushwhacking. Yeah, we can. I'm turning 58 in a month. I'm literally twice your age. Yeah. So we're going to put some rules around it. And that is, damn, that's all uphill. Let's go the other way. Uh, we got, <laughs> yeah, we got space. This road goes forever. So I'm just going to sit on your wheel and see how fucking fast you are. Oh, not very fast right now. Well, I don't even know if I can <laughs> hang on your wheel. And I may lose contact uh, verbally because I'm behind you and my little receivers. I'll, uh, I'll look for your shadow. <laughs> oh no, I'll, you'll see, yeah. So, let's compare uh, old guy, amateur. Hey, compared to some of my teammates, I'm almost old guy. I, I literally, I started racing before you were born. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, we're gonna see how fast a pro is. Oh. So I'm gonna move over to the Euro. I'm gonna actually put it in my big ring. Here we are. And uh, see how long I can hang on. You in? Yeah. I'm trying to think of an excuse if you're still there in 10 minutes. <laughs> I, I got in shape from all those rides you didn't drop me yeah, on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Ready? I don't know, that's a hill coming up. But yeah, let's start winding it up. is just riding away from me. I don't even have my heart rate on. Oh, dude. I am... I am old and out of shape. But we were going fast. Did I tire you out? Cool. It's hard. It's gone. I've gone in five weeks. Oh, uh, dude, you did try to kill me there. <laughs> hey, that was hard for me. My heart rate hit like 172. You know, I looked. My heart rate, I didn't even, wasn't even uh, looking at it, which is probably good. <laughs> if I hit 172, that's... You're probably dead. Almost. You're about to be dead. 
Or we're going up the hill on the Tuesday ride. What's that? I said, or we're going up the hill on Tuesday ride. You know, I hit. 165 to 170 on that hill. Damn. Yeah, and that's going. And then take it at 170 as we head north out of Ankeny. <laughs> and then I ride home at 140. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was fun. Yeah. You are faster than me. Yeah, that's why I, I really needed that validation there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Keep my, keep my spot on the team. I think our podcast has ended. Well, thanks for having me again. I can't thank Matt enough for joining me on a ride and being a guest on Bike Talk with Dave. And of course for playing who's faster, a pro or an old guy. Uh, It's pretty evident that a pro is faster than an old guy. Well, thanks for listening to Bike Talk with Dave. I hope you had fun with this episode. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by rating, reviewing, and sharing. If you'd like to support the show financially and help it improve, you can go to buymeacoffee.com and throw some love in my way. And I'll use it to make the podcast better, maybe some microphones or something. And I'll send you a Bike Talk with Dave sticker made by my friends at Bike Rags Apparel. So head on over to buymeacoffee.com and look for Bike Talk with Dave. I'll put a link in the show notes. Also, as a subscriber to the Bike Talk with Dave podcast, you're welcome to a free three-month subscription to the Adventure Plus streaming platform. Just click the link in the show notes and get registered to watch more than 600 independent adventure films with 10 new films being added each week. That's adventureplus.com. Click the link above. I want to thank bikeiowa.com for being the online host of Bike Talk with Dave. Bikeiowa.com is where you can find all the Midwest trails, news, and information on everything about bikes. Click the link in the news for all the past episodes of the Bike Talk with Dave podcast. Bike Talk with Dave is a production of Summit Media Films, an award-winning film company that is not afraid of snow. Check out the films on the Adventure Plus streaming app with your free 90-day subscription. That's a thousand miles to Nome, down the Kuskokwim, and reach for the stars. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have a great week.